want to talk a couple minutes tonight about stress. Yeah, that's right. I want to talk about stress, how we deal with it, and how we can have victory over it. Now, the name of this study is called Suppressing Stress. Suppressing Stress. And we're just going to look at one verse tonight, Psalm 46.10. Now, as I was thinking about a good title for this message, the word suppress kept coming back to me. And I didn't really know until this morning what the meaning of that word was. I always thought it was kind of, it kind of meant to, to push down and to kind of, kind of hinder from, from kind of going forward. But the actual meanings of the word suppress are way more powerful than that. And I want you to listen to three definitions of the word suppress that will help us in our study. The first one is to forcibly put an end to. Okay, so we could use words like subdue and squash. That, that it's to forcibly, uh, actively put an end to something. The second meaning is to prevent the development and expression of. In other words, to restrain and to kind of inhibit. So, so to forcibly put an end to it, to prevent it from developing uh, any further and, and to be uh, shown. And then the third is to prevent the dissemination of. In other words, to, to stifle and to, to hide it. So, so to stop it, to prevent it from growing, and to prevent it from spreading out. Now, if we're going to do that in terms of stress, we quickly realize that the goal is not just to manage it, especially as it relates to and hurts our walk. And when we see the causes of stress in this study, and we will in a minute, and what the Lord says to do with it, we will quickly understand that the only way to really suppress stress is to gain victory over it through the power of the Lord. There's no managing, there's no just doing our best. We have to have victory over it. Now, trying to deal with it and trying to, to overcome it in our own power is futile because I don't know about you, but sometimes my stress is way too strong for me and it wears me down. All the pressure of, of everyday responsibilities, going to work, getting your job done, raising kids, getting kids where they need to go. If you don't have teenagers yet, you'll find that out. Managing our homes, having enough money to pay our bills, dealing with health issues, dealing with family relationships, maintaining other relationships, making meals, getting exercise, having hobbies, reading books, getting downtime, on and on and on it goes. I'm tired just reading that list. Just, just, just the everyday stuff. And that doesn't even include maturing in our walk. Taking intentional time to study and to pray and to worship and to serve the Lord, which, which often, unfortunately, gets pushed to kind of the back burner of our priorities because all the other stuff I just mentioned gets in the way. Now, we're already busy and we're all stressed. So when something goes wrong... When, when, when something out of the normal goes wrong and, and we kind of have to take time and put attention to that because uh, we don't already have it, but now it demands our attention, we start to hit a wall that, that can drive us into frustration and into anger and even into depression and at worst into sin. So depending on our personality, depending on our spiritual maturity, we have different ways of coping. 
And some people, when they're stressed, will isolate themselves. They don't want to be around people. They don't want to deal with it that way. They don't want it to be public. So they kind of hide and isolate and kind of fall back a little bit. Other people, when they're stressed, want everybody to know about it and share in it. They want to tell everybody about it. It's the it's, uh, first thing out of their mouths. Now, some of us reside in the middle, but most of us are kind of on one of those two edges. But our innate tendency as human beings is to try to solve the stress in our own power. And those two words in themselves are an oxymoron because there's no such thing as our power, especially apart from God. So we're trying to deal with a problem that we don't have the power to deal with. We don't have the ability to overcome on our own. We don't have the the mental and emotional capacity to, to handle. And really, at best, all we can do is try to handle it. Try to keep our head above the water, we say. Uh, we used to have phrase, I just got to get to the weekend, right? Well, pastors, weekends work like now it's really ramped up. So I'm always, I just got to get to Monday. But we all have kind of our barrier, right? Our, our time where we, if I can just, oh, if I can just get through this season, just, just get past this, it'll calm down a little bit. And that's just a lie. So we try to manage it on our own. While we know a Lord who is all-sufficient, while we know a Lord who is all-powerful, and he's ready to help us, and he's ready to give us victory, and we have to stop fighting him on that. And that can be very, very subtle. We have to yield to his power and yield to his control and yield to his leading, okay? Now, we're going to get to that in a couple minutes when we get to Psalm 46. But let's first understand, and this is where you need to write some stuff down, let's understand the causes of stress. Because, and not to be mystical here, the Holy Spirit gave me a little hidden insight this morning. That, that really got me excited. And you know me, I don't usually try to be clever, do things, acrostics, and all that kind of stuff. But there was, there was something today that just hit me. Where, where I, we, as I was studying, I got, got to the bottom line of the problem. And as I was getting ready this morning and kind of praying about, Lord, what should I speak about uh, tonight? He gave me a very simple but very profound thought about this concept. So if you do nothing else, just write down the four causes of stress because I want you to to see this. I want you to get it visually tonight, all right? Four causes of stress, four everyday factors that, that incite pressure and tension and emotional strain. That's how the dictionary defines it, okay? Stress is pressure, tension, and emotional strain, and I would add spiritual conflict to that. Right, so so for each one, I'm going to give you a passage. Okay, it's going to be so familiar. We're not going to turn to it because of time, but but I'll give you a passage that you'll know immediately. You'll say, "Oh yeah, okay, I I get that," and, and that will help. You can go back and study those, but that'll help illustrate the point. Okay, cause number one: first cause of stress is invasive spiritual warfare invasive spiritual warfare. Now, the text here uh, that you can look at later is Luke 22, 39 to 46. Luke 22, 39 to 46. That's where Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he's sweating drops of blood because of the intensity of the enemy's attack and the weight of our sin. And that, that picture that you know well that we're given of Jesus' suffering 
shows the, the pressure and the intensity of warfare. And that's not an outlier, okay? That's not just, well, of course Jesus was suffering from the stress of that because he had the weight of our sin. No, because what that does is it gives us a greater understanding of how serious spiritual warfare is. Because the enemy is going after Jesus. He's doing everything he can to prevent Jesus from going to the cross with our sin. And at the same time it's being placed on Jesus, now the devil ramps up the intensity against Jesus and tries to get him to stop. Now granted, you and I don't bear that kind of burden every day. But the devil does know that the stakes are just as high. And just as God, somebody quoted it in a prayer, just as God doesn't want anybody, not one person, to die in sin, the enemy wants everybody to die in sin. He wants every single person to go to hell. And he knows that as believers, he can't steal us back from salvation. So he just ramps up how intense and how invasive his warfare is to try to dissuade us from our faith and try to destroy our witness. Now, when you look back at what you wrote down, the first word there is what? Invasive, right? And that's an important word. Because that shows the nature of the spiritual attack. Bible says we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, you know this, but against principalities and powers of darkness, right? And what the, what the team on the other side is trying to do is trying to invade and infiltrate and steal any measure of faith and any measure of spiritual maturation, and any measure of joy. As those things are taking root in us and growing in us, stronger faith, stronger in the Lord, greater maturity, growing in Christ, and growing in our knowledge of the Lord, and going deeper in prayer, and our worship's more sincere, and our prayers is more intense, and we're in more in the intimacy, and then we're filled with joy. The devil wants to chop that down. He wants to steal it and erase it and and mitigate against it. And and this is not an external battle. This is an internal battle because the Bible says, guard your what? Not your body. Guard your heart and your mind. Only fill your heart. Only fill your mind with what is true and holy and pure and honorable. Because if we don't, sin starts to invade like a virus. Like like it just creeps in and it starts to spread out through us. So first cause, that's it. First cause of stress is invasive spiritual warfare. Second cause of stress is control. Control. Now, there are so many examples of this in the Bible that I could talk for a week. But let me give you three texts, okay? Just write them down. Three texts. Genesis 37. That's where Joseph's jealous brothers try to spiritually control his future. Genesis 37. 1 Samuel 18 to 28. That's where King Saul tries to keep control of his kingdom by pursuing David and killing David. And and, and then when that doesn't work, he goes to Endor and he talks to the witch. And then the other passage is Luke 22, where Peter first takes on the guards that come with Judas, and then he follows Jesus, still trying to figure out, how can I control this? How can I manage this? How, what can I do to rescue Jesus? Now, now, those are very, very obvious examples that we know, but I've found in my own life, in 30 years of ministry, in 30 years of counseling, in 43 years of being saved, that control 
is far more subtle and far more pervasive than we think. This is one of the key issues for many believers who are not walking in victory because they are still trying to hold on to control. Because control is at the heart of every sin because it's inexorably linked with our pride. And our pride wants its own way. So pride and control work together. And even things that we think are kind of the opposite of control, like uh, insecurity and, and doubt and, and indifference and confusion, they all have control at the core. They may be more passive-aggressive and they may be more deflected, but they're still us trying to have authority. And control creates problems. This is why it's so hard to die to self. This is why it's so hard to take up our cross daily because we're constantly wanting to dictate our future and we're constantly wanting to be recognized as important and rewarded for what we do and being seen as as wonderful and being loved by every single person. Even in minor everyday little things, our pride and our need for control is constantly grabbing at us. So we have to be honest with the Lord and we have to have the courage to say, like David does, search me. And know me and see if there's any wicked way in me. And when you find it, Lord, I want you to eradicate it. I want you to destroy it. I want you to annihilate it. We have to do honest analysis. Am I a control freak? The answer is yes. I will confess to you tonight, I am an absolute control freak. When I drive, when I parent, when I lead, I'm a control freak. And you are too. And if we're trying to dictate the terms and be in charge, it is going to stress us out. Number three, third cause is anxiety. Anxiety. Maybe the best example of this, and we've talked about it before, is 1 Kings chapter 19. That's where Elijah runs to the cave at Mount Horeb after Jezebel threatened his life. And he's under so much stress and so much anxiety because there's a hit on his life that he says, God, I'm done. I'm through. Ministry's finished. I'm out of here. I would like you now to take my life. I've been faithful to you. I would appreciate it if you would just kill me now. Now, that story's always gotten me because for someone who was so faithful to the Lord and who had literally experienced the miracles of God through himself, who had prayed and watched fire fall down from heaven and burn up an altar that he covered with 12 bushels of water, to see dead people raised to life, to see food that didn't exhaust, that, that kept making cake and bread day after day after day. For someone who was fed by birds as the brook started to dry up, you would think somebody like that, that, that would be so full of faith, and yet there's a sense there where, where this, this emotional trauma and this anxiety starts to grab him to the place that it weakens his faith. And that, honestly, it's a pretty discouraging picture. Because if somebody like that struggles with it and can reach that point of discouragement and fatalism, then how in the world am I going to handle my problems? 
because I'm nowhere near like Elijah. Over the last 50 years or so, we have seen, I don't think there's any doubt, a dramatic increase in the prevalence of anxiety and depression in our culture, even among Christians. And it could be that we're more aware of it, but I don't think that's it. I, I think there are a lot of factors. I think the, the decline of people following Jesus Christ, the decline in church attendance, the increase in divorce and broken families, the increase in drug and alcohol use, uh, the greater emphasis of self uh, within our culture, uh, the, the relational detachment that comes from technology. All these things we've talked about before, I think they all contribute to it. And, and here's the thing. At the bottom line, every one of those things at their core is centered on self. So the reason we're seeing such an, such an increase in depression and fear and anxiety, I believe it's because we have become so much more centered on self and so much more selfish. And when you're selfish, it does not decrease their stress, it increases your stress. So then we come to number four. And it combines with this one because cause number four is needing answers. We get stressed. How many of you have dealt with this this week? I need, I'm stressed because I need some answers. I, I need to know what to do next. Best passages for this are Psalm 13 and 22. Psalm 13 and 22 where David is so overwhelmed with stress Because he doesn't feel the Lord's close by. He's saying, Lord, where are you? Why have you forsaken me? Why aren't you answering my prayer? I I, I feel far away from you. I'm crying out to you. I don't feel like you're hearing. You're certainly not answering me. And there's this weight of spiritual warfare. There's this weight of anxiety. All these link together. And David feels this trauma. When we're anxious... We need to look at the source of our anxiety because many times it's a combination of number one and number three. It's a combination of warfare and it's a combination of of kind of our pride. And when we need answers, we need to ask whether it's because we're still trying to be in control and we're not getting the answers that we're wanting And it's not working, so now we're stressed, and we say, well, I sought the Lord. Well, did we continue to seek the Lord? Did we seek him with full faith, or are we trying to manipulate in him and say, well, Lord, I'm calling on your name, but I'm putting parameters on what I will accept. That's not looking for answers. That's looking for approval. Now, as I thought about this this morning, and, and that list just was like this. The, the Holy Spirit just said, write that down. So I got a napkin, like a, a dinner napkin. It doesn't work well with a pen. It kind of tears. But I did it anyway. And I wrote it out on a napkin, those things. And then I looked at those four causes. And the spiritual principle just jumped off the page at me. Do you see it? Underline the first letter of each of the four causes and see what it spells. It spells, I can. Now, the lie the enemy tells us is, you can. You just take care of it yourself. And as we feel stress and we feel anxiety and we feel fear and we try to grab control, here's the thing, we can't. We can't. 
And, and we keep hearing, I can, and we keep trying to grab onto these things that, that we think, if I can just do this, if I can just manage this, it will all work. But here's the problem. We need a solution from the Lord because how many know we can't handle stress by ourselves? We, we can't. We don't have the power to produce victory on our own. Instead, we need the Lord to help us. So that's where these six words, excuse me, these seven words, okay? Look at Psalm 4610. That was an extremely long introduction, but I'm almost done. Psalm 4610, look at it. Just seven words. Cease striving and know that I am God. Now you say, Paul, that's eight words. But the word striving is not in the original Hebrew text. It was added by the interpreters so we will understand the depth, because the English language is weak, we'll understand the depth of the word cease. It's the Hebrew word rafa. Rafa, R-A-P-H-A-H, rafa. And I want to give you six meanings of the word rafa, Okay? This is where the English language is weak, but the, Greek, the Hebrew language is strong. Six different meanings. Very simple. Relax. Wait. Be still. Am I going too fast? Relax, wait, be still. Cease. Abandon. And let go. Okay? Relax, wait, be still, cease, abandon, and let go. That's, that's all encased in that first word of Psalm 46.10. Now combined, they give us a very clear picture of what it means to be not stressed. It's to be calm, to not fight, and to take our hands off. In other words, the polar opposite of control and anxiety. And the only way we can do this, the only reason we will do this, the only motivation to do this, is in the next six words of the verse. Rafa, stop, relax, cease, quit fighting it, okay? All that. How do you do that? By knowing that he is God. Now you can read that three ways. I am God. I am God. And I am God. Three ways we can read that. And in each one, there's no equivocation and there's no doubt. I am Lord. And you need to trust in me. So you've got your list, right? Now add one word at the bottom. Add the word trust. Add the word trust. Now, what does it spell now? I can't. that cool? We tell ourselves all our lives, I can, I can. Be a self-made person and pull yourself up by your bootstraps and do your best and manage it and deal with it and handle it. And God's saying, you're wrong. You're wrong. Because you're saying, I can. And I want to tell you, you can't. And the sooner you understand, the sooner I understand that that is the essence of faith. That we recognize the authority and the power and the sufficiency and the help of God. And the only option is that we have to trust in him alone. But to do that, it requires saying, I can't.
I can't, God. I can't do it on my own. I need you. I can't manage this. I can't deal with this. I'm overwhelmed. I'm burdened. I'm crying. I'm seeking answers. I'm trying to grab control, and it just isn't working. So let me tell you, Lord, I can't do this. And that's not a one-time, I need help for this certain situation because I don't know where else to turn. That, that's not this. This is a permanent posture of faith. So when we feel engulfed in stress and fear and confusion, and that makes us exposed to additional warfare because the enemy just swoops in and goes, all right, I got him on the ropes now. And we start to ask questions like, why is the Lord allowing this? Why won't God answer my prayers? Why isn't God helping me? Well, come on, Lord, where are you? And God says, I've already told you what to do. All you got to do is come to me and say, not my will, but yours, Lord. Not my will. No, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to trust you. I have, I have to stop ceasing. I have to stop fighting and doubting and looking inwardly and trying to grab control. You say, well, Paul, I've already done that. and It just doesn't seem to be working. Well, then I want to encourage you tonight. Ask the Lord to do a new spiritual MRI on you. Because something's still there. Something's still hidden. Something is still uh, under your control and your authority. And and you're still clinging to it. Oh, it doesn't seem like... No, I've let go of it. Have you? Because if we had, if all of us had let go of all of our sin and control, what would we have? We would have absolute, complete victory every single moment of every single day. So you can't tell me and I can't tell you... Oh, brothers and sisters, I've let go of everything, but I still don't have victory. Nope, there's no way. It is not possible. The simple phrase, look at it one more time. The simple phrase completely changes our thinking. It calls us to a level of selflessness and dependence that will transform our lives. And it will suppress, it will crush our stress. So, we're done. If the Spirit is using this study tonight to challenge you like he's challenged me, let's go before him right now. We're going to be done with this. Let's go before him right now and let's make it right.